What an extraordinary week again. I'm Richard Edgar, speaking to you today from my home on the south coast of England. I am, of course, recording this podcast here, and not in our London studios, because of the coronavirus, which has all but shut down economies in the West. Today, to hear his views on the direction of markets and how portfolio managers are positioning themselves in response, I've been joined on the line by Fidelity's Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Richard. Good morning. Good morning to you. Now, we're not in a studio. There's an awful lot of talk about business as usual. But how can it be business as usual when you and your teams are scattered to the the four corners? How are you managing your teams? Well, I think the main thing is that uh, you have to keep up um, high levels of communication of which... Um, first of all, I should actually thank our technology colleagues because they have done a fantastic job to make sure that we have all of those channels of communication open. What's really impressive is that, if I'm honest, everyone has really upped the intensity uh, uh, of what they're doing, that the levels of communication across both um, electronically in terms of email, sharing across different uh, other mediums has been quite phenomenal. And uh, uh, what it means on a day-to-day basis is that we can continue to share ideas, actually think about what does the latest moves in markets um, you know, mean, are there opportunities starting to uh, to appear, where we should be managing risks that uh, uh, most closely could be of um, you know, challenges for our uh, investors across different portfolios. Um, and overall, I think what's been really impressive is that uh, you know, we've actually managed to very quickly ensure that uh, we're in some ways increasing communication, increasing that level of you know, focus because one, markets are moving so much, um, but also for us, we understand that uh, you know, we have to work that little bit harder to make sure that um, everyone's getting the insights and sharing uh, you know, their thoughts um, you know, through the course of what is a, a very extraordinary time. You mentioned there the incredible moves in, in markets, and we spoke to you when the full impact of the virus was just beginning to, to dawn on investors um, uh, in Western Western Europe. Um, we've had yet another week of extraordinary moves in markets. They've been ricocheting off the fiscal and the uh, monetary intervention that's, that's come left, right and centre. Um, can you put into perspective the scale of, of what we're going through? Well, it is extraordinary that um, you know, when you think about the percentage losses that we've seen across um, uh, a number of stock markets around the, the world, and obviously you know, in the largest uh, ones that um, uh, you're seeing at their worst, uh, over 30%, um, and still uh, you know, within sight of that, um, it means that you know, enormous amount of wealth destruction. But it's actually the underlying effects of uh, the income that's been lost, the activity and that economic um, uh, activity itself that um, you know, produces the income to pay debt, to pay employees, to uh, to keep everything um, uh, you know, ticking over. Obviously, the intervention from governments to pick up um, that uh, effects uh, immediately has been very impressive. Um, you know, when we think about that uh, breakdown between monetary intervention, which again has been quite extraordinary, um, you know, greater than we saw in the uh, global financial crisis only 12 years ago. Delivered incredibly quickly as well. I think that's a really important point is the speed has been um, you know, truly breathtaking. 
Um, but I think it's because they realise the extent of the, the damage and the fact that you're closing down economies. So you know, we will see some fairly dramatic numbers in terms of GDP uh, growth um, deterioration. You know, some very big quarter-on-quarter quarter, uh, negative numbers appearing as um, time uh, develops. Obviously, by then, they will be looking back. So um, the key thing now is to try and ensure that uh, you can keep that level of uh, activity within uh, uh, economies um, uh, you know, that is possible being uh, maintained, but also to support individuals and businesses that will be very badly uh, you know, impacted. And I suppose just there again to divorce between monetary and fiscal policy. You know, the monetary policy, it really is looking for it getting into the right hands to ensure the markets can function, that those who need funding can actually get that. And maybe we'll come back in a second to some of the signals around that. On the fiscal policy, this is a degree of getting the, the money into um, you know, the right hands. Uh, you know, as an example, the UK announcing effectively 15% of GDP, uh, the $330 billion that we saw announced to support across uh, the economy and across um, you know, businesses and uh, individuals, that these are extraordinary uh, numbers, but it's actually getting them into the right hands. So some of the practicalities still need to be worked through. And obviously there's um, risks as well as obviously a, a great speed by governments to actually try and do that, but it, it will have its practical uh, challenges in, in being achieved. So um, some details still to be worked out, but um, my impression is that the overwhelming action that has come from authorities, um, it seems to have changed the tone, um, certainly amongst our investment teams at Fidelity on the the daily calls. There's been, um, I I think, quite a noticeable change in um, the, the mood on those calls. Do you want to take me through what your perception is? Yes, I think that, um, again, uh, you know, when we spoke um, in the last uh, couple of weeks that um, I've mentioned that uh, uh, move to um, uh, you know, almost whatever it takes, and we have seen uh, you know, incredible um, you know, moves and, and even the use of those words from certain uh, leaders, um, I think what you've seen that do is, is uh, you know, as we've touched on some of these signals, that um, uh, you know, volatility showing signs of um, uh, now starting to, to roll over, or at least not seeing that acceleration on, on the upside. Uh, we've seen some of the funding spreads, whether it be on cross-currency um, uh, swaps, uh, whether it be uh, uh, you know, through uh, the relationships at the front end of, uh, of yield curves in the forward rate agreements versus overnight index swaps. You know, showing signs of um, of calmness, and I think that um, you know what's also for our teams is that you know as the the dust starts to settle a little bit, as as you can start to run analysis of who has those really strong balance sheets, you know who are going to um, get aid, you know who are in a position that um, you know looking through this that um, potentially uh, you know could be very well placed, then it starts to throw up that um, you position portfolios look for new opportunities which was very difficult um, you know we look back a couple of weeks and just uh, you know how challenging it was to try and draw some of that together so I think that's encouraging um, but there, there are still challenges that we have to work through there's still the unknowable elements around um, you know how COVID-19 is uh, progressing uh, the the length of um, 
uh, what this will mean for economies. We're still going to see some pretty horrific um, uh, data appearing at times over the next uh, few months, uh, regardless of of the the short term. So I think that you know again, this is about looking for you know the idiosyncratic opportunities, that finding those companies where you know they've already managed themselves well, they'll be you know very much able to survive and could be in a position to um, uh, you know clearly come out hopefully the other side in a very strong position. We'll come to those um, investing questions um, in, a, in a little while, perhaps. But um, just to sort of um, try and understand the current situation um, a little bit more, um, you've given some of the data that you're looking at that suggests that, um, uh, for example, the swaps, that um, the liquidity that the central banks have made available, well, that the Fed has made, for example, um, on the dollar available to other um, central banks, that that is, is beginning to work. In general, um, you know, fixed income markets seem to have seized up at one stage. Mm-hmm. Um, has that now eased? So in some places, it's certainly improving, um, but it is still pretty challenging. Um, you know, some of the things that we look at of the relationship between how the CDS um, are trading, so uh, the credit default swaps, um, against the cash securities. And you found that um, as we were going uh, uh, down, especially through last week, the cash securities were um, uh, you know, very challenged and underperforming. As we've seen the bounce back this week, that um, we've seen them continue to do that to a degree. And that uh, I think we'd like to see you know, some signs that uh, you know, you're actually having um, that relationship improve and that cash can, uh, can perform well. So there's still signs that there's stress, maybe that the degree to which um, you know, holdings and the ability to uh, take them onto balance sheets to, uh, to be new buyers of those is, is still taking time to feed through. You're also finding that when it comes to uh, you know, the dollars getting to the right place, there still seem to be problems um, uh, for some of the uh, uh, European banks to be able to access some of the uh, uh, dollar funding they need um, you know, at the uh, shorter end of curves. So it's not without um, its blemishes. But I think on the other side is that we are seeing, as I mentioned, um, significant calming um, that has occurred in uh, those cross-currency swap um, um, rates um, in some of the other shorter-term relationships in terms of some of the liquidity that we are starting to see. So, you know, seeing a little bit more starting to trade around those bid-to-offer spreads. And, and it's definitely improved, notably in equity markets as well of, uh, of recent days. Still challenging around um, the volumes that are the trading and the cost to that, but uh, you know small signs of uh, of improvement. So, what's your advice to your portfolio managers now? Because the the first stage of this crisis. Um, there was uh, an advice not to panic and to, to sit tight. Are we now moving into a new stage of, of, of activity? But I think the important part now is that rather than to get lost in the, uh, you know, is this a, uh, you know, the best time to buy? Is the crisis fully over? It's to start really looking at those individual opportunities and saying, well, actually, do we have those positions in the right companies and uh, you know, those are already seeing signs whether they are going to be able to, uh, you know, whether this efficiently, whether they're going to be supported um, in some way, whether they're going to be in that position to, um, uh, you know, come out of this in a, uh, you know, hopefully in a stronger place as we see uh, economic activity in the future pick up. So if you're not um, calling a, um, a, you know, a, a, a clear um, change, are there ways that um, Fidelity is adjusting its tactical asset allocation to to be ready for um, for the next steps? Well, I think that um, you know what we've really been trying to do there is um, you know we we came into uh, 
the middle of uh, February, um, you know, on a slightly defensive tack. Um, you know, in hindsight, as always, it would have been nice to have had um, uh, you know, more uh, uh, of a defensive um, uh, posture. Um, but I think you know, the fact that we had that is uh, you know, encouraging position to work from. I think that what's important when you look across a tactical asset allocation point of view is that um, you, know, you still need to uh, uh, have the ability to move liquidity to be able to um, be more aggressive when the time is right. And I think there that um, uh, you know, at present... Again, I'd go back to what we might do if I can sort of sum it up is that we're reaching the end stage of um, you know, what could be the, the first part of this uh, you know, leg down in markets that we've seen the sort of uh, you know, really sharp crisis point. You know, markets don't recover necessarily um, in a straight line if it's going to be healthy. They will uh, you know, test the, uh, the lows, maybe set new lows, but hold in um, and then start to gradually build. And it'll take more time to, to do that. And I think we might be getting close to the point where we start to see that happening. And therefore, we'll be looking at, you know, are there opportunities where, again, that the mispricing, um, because everything's been uh, uh, you know, thrown out um, in this uh, recent period, that uh, are individual opportunities that then, or uh, you know, around different sectors, around different risk factors that um, look that little bit more attractive that we can incorporate into portfolios. But to make a significant shift of um, uh, you know, going and, and wanting to take significant overweights in certain asset classes or to um, you know, really put lots of cash to work, I think that you know, we have to be more selective and um, you know, be a little bit more cautious than doing that. And so therefore, uh, I think it's one to get a little bit more encouraged by those signals that we've seen, but certainly not to lose um, you know, focus that we're still in a period that could last for some time. And therefore, there will be you know, challenges and, and it will take time to, uh, to build that, uh, uh, you know, that bottom to the market that we all hope we see. And are there any specific signals that you're looking for um, that would that would give you encouragement that um, uh, you're you're at a, a stage when you, when you could begin to make more significant changes? Well, I think that um, uh, yeah, there's normally a case in markets that um, they will uh, have a period of of trying to um, stabilise and and maybe even recover. And then you, you normally will see at least a test of the lows that we've had or um, you know, a pressed fresh lows as the um, uh, again plays out. And I think from, you know, if you take that um, historic perspective of how markets have tended to, uh, to trade, um, then uh, you know, for us it's again you know, lining up our ducks um, in some ways that uh, making sure that you know, we understand who are going to be the companies that can then really benefit when we start to see um, uh, that improvement in a much broader perspective. Um, you know, what are the types of um, uh, you know, areas that are going to, to benefit uh, you know, with all this intervention, monetary um, stimulus, that uh, you know, does it look like a playbook of 0809? I don't think it does. I think it looks slightly different, and so that will mean that um, uh, you know, maybe other sectors that will come out of this that will be better. Uh, I think there's also another point which is looking slightly more medium term. Do we think the ramifications from from this at some point will be that finally there is some? Uh, you know, uptick in inflationary pressures. Does that mean that um, you know it's an environment that could actually finally uh, support value relative to um, you know growth and uh, quality as uh, uh, you know style factors? I think those things uh, you know are, are you know what we're looking at and start starting to sort of you know build the game plan of how do we position once we get a bit more clarity. So you know. 
get it more encouraged. And just to, just to pin you down on that on that inflation point, Andrew, given the um, the torrents of cash that are being um, pumped into economies, um, surely. It, there will be um, uh, an increase in inflation. We can't lose sight at this stage that we're seeing the deflationary consequences um, playing through. I mean, you know, just to uh, quickly uh, remind on that, that uh, you know, the impact on to, to China, that we then um, you know, also starting to see impact on supply chains. Then having, obviously, the oil um, shock that uh, occurred from the Russian-Saudi Arabian um, moves uh, and OPEC um, more generally... Um, and now, you know, this uh, activity being into lockdown across, uh, uh, you know, Western countries, that, you know, these things, um, you know, still to play out and still having very much a deflationary impact. The intervention, both monetary and fiscal, will take time to come through. You know, we'll have to offset those um, factors, provide support, and then we start to see, um, you know, how long it takes for them to either draw some back or leave it in the system that then can create those, um, uh, you know, build up of inflationary pressures once economic activity returns. So I think we're talking about some time into the future rather than it being, uh, you know, something that we see rapidly uh, change just yet. So a very complex picture, but uh, it sounds like the end of the beginning, perhaps, um, if, if nothing more than that. <laughs> I think that that's a, most probably a sensible way to view it, that um, uh, the reality is none of us know, um, but you know, we continue to do an enormous amount of work on um, you know, trying to, to model around the COVID-19 um, you know, progress. What does it mean at economic levels? Uh, unemployment rates could be through the course of um, uh, the next few months, which are you know, going to be very shocking numbers potentially um, in the uptick uh, there. But, you know, again, I think markets um, you know, are starting to digest and take some of this on. The reality is the damage done by the speed and size of the losses is that there will be ramifications and we will see the odd bad news or individual circumstance, maybe it be in terms of, of default or, or challenge um, uh, for companies, sectors or parts of the market. So we've got to be prepared to still see those playing through. But it doesn't mean that the market's all of a sudden going to um, uh, free fall again. It means that you know, how they're digested in some ways, some bad news with um, you know, decent market action will be in itself uh, a signal that we'll be looking at um, uh, you know, for that broader picture. But for the moment, focus on the thing that we do well, which is analysing individual uh, companies, understand how they're structured, where they are in this process, where they uh, uh, you know, could be as we start to model some of the um, uh, you know, potential scenarios. And again, being ready when we think um, that uh, you know, you're seeing some really mispricing um, that is very attractive for the long term. And that, I think, you know, is going to evolve through the course of uh, uh, these next few weeks and months still. Um, but there are some of those starting to appear now um, that uh, we can start to incorporate into portfolios. Andrew, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us from your home. And thank you to everybody who's listening to this, probably in your homes as well. Uh, you can hear more on current market events and views from a range of Fidelity experts on both our Rich Pickings and Fidelity Answers podcast channels. Just search for those titles in your podcast app. You can also read plenty on the latest volatility, responses to the pandemic and the ideas emerging from it online at fidelityinstitutional.com. The producer from his home in South London was Seb Morton-Clark, with production support from Alex Wilcox, also in London, and Madison Fletcher in Chichester. Wherever you are, stay safe and goodbye.
This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.